If someone near to you had a cardiac arrest, what would you do? I'm not sure I would even accurately be able to recognise one, to be honest. A recent survey in Canada showed that many people felt unprepared to give CPR, especially if the patient was a woman. Let's find out what the situation is here in Australia and what is the right thing to do if someone collapses in front of you and there is no doctor on hand. Dr Janet Bray is a professor at Monash University's School of Public Health and Preventative Medicine and she specialises in out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. Janet, welcome. Thank you, Hilary. First of all, let's clear up a few things. Heart attack, cardiac arrest, how are they different? Sorry. Um, Well... A heart attack is a plumbing problem. A cardiac arrest is an electrical problem. So in a heart attack, someone's artery is clocked and the blood's not flowing through the heart as it normally would and getting to the heart muscle and they'll have chest pain and shortness of breath. A cardiac arrest, however, is an electrical problem. So the electricity that's running through the heart to make the heart beat goes into an irregular rhythm and basically stops the heart. The person becomes unresponsive and stops breathing and without CPR will die. So if you have a heart attack and you've got that blockage and and the blood is having trouble getting through, can that lead to a cardiac arrest? Certainly can. Um, But in this day and age, um, it's happening less and less. But there are over like 500 causes of cardiac arrest. So it's not um, that everyone who's having a heart attack will have a cardiac arrest, but we do want people who are having chest pain and shortness of breath to call triple zero as soon as they can. Well, how much time have you got? How urgent is it? It, it, it's unknown at this point, but you've got 90 minutes is the golden, what we call the golden hour from when you first have symptoms to when you want to be having that artery unblocked in, in a hospital. In a hospital, 90 minutes, okay. Mm, not much so, time. No. How did we learn that CPR was an effective way to treat a cardiac arrest? Well, I think that CPR dates back to ancient Egypt, actually, but it became, um, I mean, people have been trying to revive people um, throughout history. Um, it's been documented on and off, um, you know, in in the, 19, in the 1500s, they tried things like rolling people over barrels or pulling them behind a horse. <laughs> Unlikely to blowing, help. Blowing air into them with be, um, the bellows. Um, but in the 19, uh, about the 1950s and 60s, CPR as we know it today came into existence. Really fascinating. CPR is our topic today. And Dr. Janet Bray is with us, a professor at Monash University School of Public Health and Preventative Medicine. Uh, What does CPR do? What kind of happens in the body when you do CPR that gets that heart started again? So the the act of pushing down on someone's chest pushes blood out of the heart and into the heart so that you can get oxygen to your brain and your vital organs that you need to actually survive. So it's a way of maintaining circulation until we can get the heart restarted either with a defibrillator or when the paramedics arrive. Now, I understand there's lots of really good training materials online and I've done, you know, the St John's Ambulance training a couple of times. But could you give us a, a kind of brief rundown of what the steps are in CPR? It's very, very simple. It's core push shock. So if you find someone who's unconscious on the ground or not respond or just lying there, you just shake them, see if they're awake. If they're not, you send someone to call triple zero or you call triple zero yourself. You roll them on their back and you start pushing down on the chest. So you find the breastbone or the sternum, put the heel of your hand on there, put your other hand on top of it and push down hard and fast. It's the fast that surprises people sometimes, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's a it's you can you can remember it like by it's about a hundred beats a minute. So a lot of songs are a hundred beats a minute, like um, "Staying Alive" is a good one. <laughs> I was going to say, don't say "Staying Alive." <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, Beyonce's "Crazy in Love." So there's generational songs that you can try and remember to to remember how fast to push. Uh, and then you want to send someone to get a defibrillator if you're in public, in particular, um, because uh, by shocking someone with a defibrillator and it's completely self-explanatory to do this and very safe. Um, You can um, literally save a life and and it has incredibly high survival if you can do that. Yeah, and that basically walks you through it, doesn't it? You press the on button and it goes, this is what you do next. Yeah, and it acts like a team leader too. It tells you what to do and when to do it. And so will the triple zero call. Caller. So when you call up triple zero and you identify that someone's in cardiac arrest, they will guide you through how to perform CPR and whether or not you need to provide um, breasts as well. Now, Janet, you specialise in out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. Where do they happen most often? Most often in the home, unfortunately, where there's no defibrillator and um, and it's a family member usually that is required to perform CPR, which is distressing and upsetting. But uh, the, as I said, the triple zero um, call taker will guide you through the process and hopefully um, have a good result. Now, how common is it for a bystander to give CPR generally if, if you are outside? So only uh, about 40% of people who have a cardiac arrest um, receive bystander CPR. And we've done some work around trying to understand why this occurs. Uh, We've listened to triple zero calls to see why, given that, you know, the call taker is providing instructions, it doesn't happen. Uh, And the most common thing we found were communication problems. People don't know where they are. They need to give an address so that they can get an ambulance to them. Uh, They're afraid to perform the assessments and CPR, and they lack confidence and skills. And we know that CPR training can um, provide that. So when they are afraid to do it, are they worried about hurting the person further? Yeah. So you can't get any deader than dead. Exactly. So, yeah, but people are, are actually worried about harming the person, about doing it wrong in particular. But as I said, you can't you can't do it wrong. Any resuscitation is better than none. And it sounds like there are geographical differences as well. Uh, your survival rates vary depending on where you live. Yeah, and we, we've done some work looking at this as well, and we've found that regions that um, have lower rates of bystander CPR actually have lower rates of CPR training as well in the community. So we really encourage people to learn how to do CPR. You can learn on a video on YouTube. You can learn in a class. Um, it is actually Restart a Heart Day on October 16th. And Greg Page, the yellow wiggle, who experienced a cardiac arrest, is running an online CPR um, class, um, which you can register for on his website, which is heartofthenation.com.au. Heartofthenation.com.au. Well, and as you say, you know, there's nothing YouTube can't do. There's going to be CPR videos on there. We're speaking with Dr. Janet Bray, who's a lead researcher and professor at Monash University's School of Public Health and Preventative Medicine, about what to do if someone has a cardiac arrest near you, because 40% only of people getting CPR when they have a cardiac arrest from a bystander. That's a pretty low level and it is just so crucial to people's survival rates. Now let's talk a bit about this recent survey out of Canada, Janet, because that showed a gender difference as well, didn't it, in in who was getting CPR from bystanders? Yes, yeah, so it is actually a, a well-known um, situation that women are less likely to get bystander CPR. Now, it's just a marginal difference uh, in percentage, but it is a difference. Um, 
they've they've done some surveys of people to understand why this is, but and they give them a hypothetical situation. So they'll ask them, "What would you do?" Da, 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 and 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 men tend to say, "Oh, I'd be worried about harming the person. I'd be worried about being sued or sexual assault." And this is America, of course, where they're a little bit more litigious than we are. And um, and here we have the Good Samaritan law protecting us as well. So the Good Samaritan law protects anyone who who aids a person um, in in terms of an emergency. Okay, so it protects them from... Legal legal ramifications. Of any kind? Well, unless you cause the person to go into cardiac arrest or... <laughs> Good, yeah. <laughs> or you do something outside of um, something that's very abnormal, uh, yes, you are protected. So would that uh, unwillingness to do CPR on women change if there was a greater uptake of CPR training, do you think? It certainly would. But I also, you know, in those calls that we listened to, we found no evidence of a difference because of the person's sex. So nobody said, I'm not performing on it because I don't want to touch the woman's chest. Um, So we think that in a hypothetical situation, it's quite different to actually in reality. Um, We know that men have their heart attacks younger, women have them older. Women tend to have theirs older and be unwitnessed as well. So by the time that someone finds them, they're they're obviously past the point of help. Um, But but we are still trying to unpick it even further um, with, with research at the moment. Okay, yep. So the, hypothetically, they're worried about approaching the women, but in reality, it's the circumstance. The women are isolated. Wow. All right. Uh, so we talked a little bit about uh, how you can learn CPR. There's internet-based programs. There's the one at uh, heartofthenation.com.au where the Yellow Wiggle will be guiding a class uh, for Restart Heart Day. You're also working on a pilot in Victorian high schools, Janet. Tell us about that. Yes, yeah, so it's called Aussie Kids Saves Lives. Um, it's an international initiative, actually, but um, we, what we want to do is we want to train a generation um, of people in CPR. So we're trying, at the moment, we're providing teachers with the resources that they need to teach CPR, and we're trying to bring it into every level, every year of high school, so that by the time people finish high school, the knowledge is ingrained in their in their, um, in their their brain, I guess. Uh, so... We're running a pilot in Victoria at the moment where we're testing the materials that we've provided to the teachers um, and we're surveying the teachers and the children and we're finding it very effective. The children are loving, um, the students are loving the education and loving the fact that they will know how to save a life. Yeah, I mean, that's an incredible idea, isn't it, that you might get a teenager rushing up and go, it's OK, I've got this. Um, I remember cost being an issue one of the times I went to do one of the St John Ambulance uh, courses. Is the cost accessible for most people these days if you want to do an in-person course? I think to do just a CPR course without the first aid component, I think it's about 50 or $60. So, um, you know, it's going to depend on your own personal circumstances. But as I said, you can learn online. Um, it's just important that you learn, but also learn regularly um, because it, learning once isn't helpful. You really need to refresh those skills about every six to 12 months. Six to 12 months. Okay. Greg uh, has texted in, I was worried about what I'd do if I saw a cardiac arrest and could I use a defibrillator? So I did a first aid refresher course and a defibrillator oxygen treatment course using an automatic defibrillator is easy, says Greg. Just follow the directions given by the machine. I recommend everyone does a course. Well, I guess, Janet, to to finish up with, who should do CPR training? 
Everyone. <laughs> it's simple. <laughs> Everyone should know how to help someone in this situation. We have like twenty over 25,000 out-of-hospital cardiac arrests every year and it can mean the difference between saving a life or not. Are you ever too old to learn? No, you're not. <laughs> you're always going to have the arm strength to, well, to do some good. there's certainly that issue and, and we know that as people age and they have they have to perform CPR, it can be challenging. But as I said, any attempt at CPR is better than nothing at all until the the paramedics can arrive. Dr Janet Bray, thank you so much for your time today on Life Matters. Thank you. Janet's a lead researcher and professor at Monash University's School of Public Health and Preventative Medicine. She specialises in out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, and it would be fascinating to see the results of that Victorian high school pilot skilling up uh, an entire generation of young people to be able to save a life if they witness a cardiac arrest in public. Restart a Heart Day is on Monday the 16th of October, and there's a link up on our website to resources and how you can get involved as well. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.